Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Listen here, foodies. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And right now, well, I'm, I'm wrong. If you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, Wednesday, February 26th, it is Ash Wednesday, which means Mardi Gras is over. I thought Mardi Gras was next Tuesday. I thought it was ending in March. Sometimes it does, but this year it is not. So, while Mardi Gras might be ending, the New Orleans takeover of Foodie Films isn't. Next week is the final episode. Right now, we've got the Pen Ultimate episode for you, and it's a great one. I talk with Max Hamlin, the butcher for Koshan Butcher. So there's Koshan Restaurant and Koshan Butcher. Max is the butcher for the butcher. The man's man. And like I said, great conversation with him. He is so knowledgeable in so many different things. I mean, obviously, he's he's a master of his craft when it comes to the butchery. But we talk a lot of things. I mean, we get into, you wouldn't expect it, but we get into, like, microbiology. Just a, another one of his interests and in what, what, you know, what he studied. And so just a really, really, really fun conversation I had with him. We talk pork, pork and more pork. Uh, Before we get into this episode, I just want to give a shout out to Ron Tulata. He is in charge of NJ Food Group. It's a New Jersey food group. It's a a group I'm part of on Facebook, and it's the first time I got to meet up with him and other people that belong to the group. We went to this great restaurant, Pasha Mediterranean. It's in Franklin Park, New Jersey. Shout out to them. Showed up. They had this awesome buffet for us. They even had like a belly dancer going on. I don't know if that that's I think he said that's one Friday every month. But nonetheless, when it came down to the food, and it's a BYOB. I love a BYOB, so I brought a nice bottle of wine with me. But the food, they had a lamb carving station, they had falafels, they had kebab, they had fish, they had chicken, this chicken chop. I've never heard of a chicken chop before. Obviously, I've heard of a pork chop. I wish I uh, knew about this chicken chop before talking to Max. I would have loved to have uh, talked about that with him. But anyway, just delicious food at Pasha Mediterranean in Franklin Park, New Jersey. It's uh, it's like central Jersey. It's right around New Brunswick. It was about an hour drive from Jersey City. So if you're in that area, make sure to check out Pasha Mediterranean. I hope all of you really enjoyed Mardi Gras. I got to make it down twice during the carnival season and had a blast and here we go penultimate episode of the new orleans takeover me talking with max hamlin hopefully not sounding too winded but i'm drinking a delicious beer and a very beautiful uh glass right now with butcher written right on it so i i just don't want to there's certain words down here. We're just jumping right into it. Yeah, go for it. We're, there's certain words down here that uh, being a northerner, I'm not familiar with uh, correctly pronouncing. How, how do you, is it cochon, cochon? What are we? You pronounce it cochon. Cochon? Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess in French, it would be cochon, but mm-hmm. that, that's a little bit soft on the palate for sure. for, for the south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the cochon butcher. 
Yes, yes. Yes, different uh, than the restaurant. Yes, but right there's, next door. There's a butcher for Koshan, mm -hmm. and I'm the butcher for Butcher, and we work in that space because we have those giant custom booze blocks tables. Uh, all so right, yeah. It's not a lot of elbow room over on Koshan for breaking down entire hogs, or we've just started doing entire cows every week, too. Wow. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, a lot. It's, it's a bit a much. Lot, the right? first, yeah, the first one was half a cow, and mm -hmm. uh, it took about four of us to lift it. So we're getting them in quarters now. I mean, how much? What does that weigh? A thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Nine hundred and eighty or something like that. It was, it was yeah. about a thousand pounds. Yeah, I, I mean, I walk, I walk in today. I was told like two, two come around two, two thirty. And you were in the middle of working, so I appreciate you making time. What were, what were you chopping up there? I was just prepping out salamis. Pre um, yeah. we, we have salamis on two of our sandwiches, and mm -hmm. we sell an enormous amount of sandwiches. Probably have, you know, about 2,000 pounds of salamis hanging. So prepping salamis is kind of an indefinite project. <laughs> well, for anyone that uh, doesn't know this establishment and, uh, and who you are, Please give your name, your title, and just like how long you've been here, all that good stuff. My name is Max Hamlin. Uh, I have the redundant title. I am the butcher for butcher. Uh, and I oversee uh, meat production for the butcher shop, mm -hmm. primarily. We make all of our meat in-house. Uh, and I also make all the meat for La Boulangerie, which is our bakery on Magazine Street, where we get our bread, cakes, and pastries from. And I run the salami program for Gianna, our newly opened Italian restaurant a couple oh, wow. blocks down the road. And I make all the andouille for Herb Saint, which is the fine dining restaurant, um, which is just like four blocks away. You're all over the place. Yes, I sleep occasionally. <laughs> the, it is, the restaurant industry is not for the faint. You know, like, I mean, it's definitely, I feel like in recent years because of shows and, you know, just social media, glamorized in a certain way but people that work in it like you know i mean there's a reason that it's like if you can't stand the heat get out of the kitchen right? i mean the the moment i'm yeah the 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 moment i don't have a million things to do and i get to punch the clock and hop on out i do get to feel like a rock star a lot people people know me around the city um I've had people wave me backstage, uh, you know, look at look at my shirt and be like, "Oh, you're one of the pig slayers? Yeah, get get the fuck back here." <laughs> that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, uh, yeah and he, oh, man, that's what. Yeah, what? I mean, what's that? What does that feel like? Pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I so uh, I, I I try not to be. Yeah, you know, I, I try to be here for the food. Sure. Um, yeah. But it's it's easy to you know. Yeah, get lost in your own cult of personality when you're on TV every other month. Yeah. So uh, you know, my neighbors, my my neighbors for many years called me and my wife Matt and Lily, but now they've got my name right because they see me on the morning broadcast. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, like, how do you how do you fare with that stuff? Do you like being on camera and all that? I did some stage acting in high school, oh, okay. so it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 nothing terribly new uh, for me, but it is very exciting to. Know, be known, and uh, have people in the city aware of who you are, and be able to network like that. Mm -hmm. You know, one day if I open my own restaurant, I'm gonna have already have a fan base. Yeah, so. you just ha you have that built-in notoriety and everything mm -hmm. like that. How long you've been here? I've been working for Donald Link for about five years. Now. Okay, so. what were you doing before that? Um, I do a lot of. Uh, fine craftsman type work. So previously I have, I've, I've run my own charcuterie program before and I've also run uh, several bakeries. So oh, I'm an cool. artisan baker as well. Awesome, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. you got you got the meat, you got the bread. Yeah, like doing charcuterie, bread yeah. work, butchery, fine pastry work, mm -hmm. anything that requires a steady hand. So what is, I mean, you know, charcuterie, I love it. Like every, I love hosting parties. I'm always like, especially, you know, being in Jersey, we've got a lot of our, you know, Italian delis. And even my roommate is, uh, there's a famous uh, deli, Italian deli in Hoboken, New Jersey called Fiori's that like is known for their moots and they've been on, you know, they've been on new shows and stuff like that about their uh, famous roast beef moots and gravy sandwich. And always make sure to have all those delicious meats. But like when it comes to, plating you know char charcuterie what what is what's like the ideal plate or is there one like presentation wise even elements like what's a necessity no it's a it's a whole spectrum of things um 
Yeah, I think I think uh, variety is kind of uh, exciting in a charcuterie board. Mm -hmm. You definitely want. When I'm making one, I, I like there to be something spreadable, like pate. Sure. I like there to be maybe or like a whipped fat, like a rion or a riette. Uh, and then I uh, like um, dry cured meats is uh, something I really enjoy doing, uh, and and is uh, something that not a lot of places do in house dry cured meats. So having that hard salami with a soft spreadable item, maybe a whole muscle that's uh, been seasoned and poached, mm. uh, like like capicola or like um, uh, or or just deli meats, you know, uh, an emulsified sausage like uh, mortadella or bologna, um, and all those varieties of textures. I think a lot of what I like about charcuterie is the huge variety of texture, uh, plus pickles and crackers. It's just you get a smorgasbord of all kinds of things. Yeah, I mean all the all the meat here, all the sausages, everything you're making here. Oh yeah, right? yeah. That's uh, what's the what's that process like what what made you go like yeah that like what drew you to it you know uh, I like doing things that other people aren't doing okay and I happen to have a background in uh, microbiology oh I, look at, man yeah, well, I, stage yeah. acting in high school you got the bakery you got the meats you got the uh, I also do historic restorative carpentry if you're interested <laughs> um, I am I'm interested you're but like, uh, jack of all trades and master of all, not master and a master of all. Jeez. Well, I uh, I like the 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 curing of the salami is because I get to cultivate and maintain my own bacterial strains and uh, and mold strains. So I'll take you up to the curing room after this to be able to take yeah. a look at it. But um, one thing I've been doing is maintaining uh, live mold cultures in our curing room. Um, I've got some. I've got some masks, and you'll need them because the amount of penicillium in the air okay. is gonna definitely make you cough and wheeze, especially mm -hmm. since it's January and everybody has a cold right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm an. I'm an uh, asthmatic, so we'll. Uh, yeah. I'll be. Don't, I'll be. I, what, yeah. yeah. I got. I got. I got proper proper safety safety measures mm -hmm. for it, but um, in doing so, I made some of the best salami I've ever had in my entire life. And wow. it's just from years of trial and error for the most part with a good background and knowing how to keep these things alive. That's just, I mean, that's just all, I mean, especially to me, maybe other people listening, that's just all next level, like in, in the, with your knowledge of like microbiology, like, I mean, do you, do you find other people working and curing all like meat and stuff like that? They need to have this knowledge, right? Or it, it certainly would help, but people have been making salamis for a lot longer than they've known sure. about okay. how yeah, those that are works. Fair. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean the the rules are uh, stringent. You okay. know, even before people understood precisely how it works, proper sanitation. Um, okay, so f to give an example, long before people understood microbiology or chemistry, you would get the salt from inside of the mountain. You couldn't use seal sea salt, you have to use salt that you dig up. Oh, yeah. Nobody had any idea why that was, but that was a very hard and fast rule. If you don't get it from the mountains, you don't get the salt from the mountains of Italy or Poland or wherever else does similar types of dry cured sal uh, salamis, it won't cure properly. You get you get botulism. You make people sick. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> no one wants that for sure. I mean, you guys are doing a lot here. I mean, also like everything is kind of like locally f forged for the mo for the most part. We right? we that's we try our damnedest to do absolutely everything within the state. Try and work with local farms. Mm -hmm. A lot of my hogs are coming from two places. Uh, Home Place Pastures in Como, Mississippi, and Riles Farms in Tylertown, Mississippi. Okay. And we can almost supply these two restaurants, Koshan and Butcher, with just their product. Wow. So that's, uh, I mean, it's we're always shooting to do 100%, you know, maybe not in-state, but certainly Gulf region. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's something we strive for every year. We have, we even have someone, uh, Ashley Locklear is our in-house forager whose entire job is to travel from farm to farm and find local products at a competitive price that we can use in these restaurants. Wow, what a, what a job, what a title. Mm -hmm. That's pretty, yeah, you guys, I mean, that's something about, 
I mean, you know, I recently had um, North Jersey local chef Robbie Felice, and he said, like, anything you have in my restaurant, I handpicked, like, three days prior. Like, he goes and he picks, you know, the hog and all, and all, all that. Like, that's, so it's not like it's just something specific to here, but it does feel like in New Orleans you guys just have so much pride and I mean, and obviously in food service, like you said, you, I mean, you have to also, you want to give people, you know, the freshest product as possible. So what do you, what do you think, I mean, as far as like doing that, like what do you think is, um, is that a necessity? Is that something obviously you have pride in? Well, it definitely makes the local uh, economy more sustainable. True, if, yeah. You know, if, if I know that I'm paying my neighbors to go fish for me and that those relationships are gonna last pretty much indefinitely because yeah, you know, we, we we've got our shrimp guy Dino been working with Donald for thirty years maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just been it's been a family business that's been part of his family business that have grown together and are utterly intertwined. And it, it, it you know a rising tide raises all ships. We want to keep everything nice and local. Mm-hmm. So when you heard that this place was opening, how how long has the butcher been open? Butcher's been open for. A, Nearly a decade now. Okay. I believe it's nine years and change. And did you grow up around here? No, no. I'm I'm from Portland, Oregon. Oh I've wow. Been, okay. Uh, I moved out here uh, after I graduated college. Uh, Had you been here before? Yeah, I'd visited all. I have family all across the country, mm-hmm. so um, I don't have any in the Gulf South. So I kind of saw that as an opportunity to make my own way in the country, as it were. And also, I really genuinely enjoy the weather. Uh, and the heat. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. As I'm sitting here, I mean, the sun's kind of coming through the window, and I'm just like, uh, but patting myself with my handkerchief. <laughs> but uh, and so this is heat. January, and this is Jan. I mean, it's a. I've been at least I've heard from locals. This is pretty. You know, it's a little warmer. A little, than most. little warm, but still, yeah. January versus yeah. That's I would not be able to last down here in the uh, like I think June to September at that, that time. That's that's next level. <laughs> And you like did, had you been here before you started working? Was it like a yeah? I had I had visited uh, New Orleans a couple of times uh, in high school and college, um, and I was drawn a lot to. One big part of it was that I wasn't particularly happy with what I graduated in in college, and wanted to try something utterly new, and mm-hmm. wanted to be a classically trained chef, and figured the best city to do it in is. Uh, you know, inside the country would be either probably New York City or New Orleans. Yeah. I like New Orleans' laid-back, casual vibe. Well, and there's such a specific cuisine to down here. Like, New New York, I mean, both are melting pots, but, Mm -hmm. like, like what's New York's cuisine? Like, what are they, you know, when they're really known for food specific to the city, their pizza, their bagels, their, you know, like, I mean, a lot, like, Jewish delicatessens... But everything else, I mean, you know, obviously you got New York strip steaks and stuff like that, but it's ultimately a city that I feel like people go to, like, test themselves and then just as a melting pot, then you get a lot of great restaurants from so many different cuisines. Yeah, build a resume and then find find a place. I don't know. Uh, New Orleans seems a little bit more like a permanent residency yeah. to me. And yeah. also, I like how the cuisine evolved down here. There's a lot of very, very unique things to this area that also don't seem to export well. Like, no. you don't see Cajun restaurants terribly successful outside of the region. Do you think it's due to resources and getting, like, you know, I mean, obviously you have your seasonal dishes, like crawfish and stuff like that, but, yeah, when it comes to just the speciality to making these dishes down here? Part of it's what's available, and part of it's uh, the audience. You know, the, the people down here know what makes their family's gumbo recipe special. Sure. So yeah, they yeah. have something to base it off of when they come to your restaurant. They, the, uh, the, the cuisine is specific and the people of the region are educated about the speci- specificity of it. It's, it's something that just kind of only works in a region where it's, still, where it's self-sustaining. When the butcher opened up, were you like, did you hear about it right away? Did you like, I got to check this out? Or So when I moved to this city, uh, I didn't really have any cooking experience to speak of. And I started uh, delivery driving out of uh, the boulangerie. And okay. they did a wholesale baking program. I got to see the back of about 60 different kitchens. Oh, wow. And when I saw the butcher shop, 
uh, I saw everything that was happening there, and my first thought was, I have to figure out how the hell I get on the other side of that counter. Yeah. And oh, I, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I don't. I do not have. I do not have the education, the experience. Mm. I don't have the networking. I don't have. I don't know anyone who works here. The only person I know <laughs> who works here is my contact behind the counter, Miss Leanne Smith, who is a little bit brusque with people she doesn't know. <laughs> but I knew that I had to get back here somehow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, so then what went into that? What did you have to do to get? Well, I, I had uh, I had heard that the best way to build a foundation for being a classically trained strong chef is baking. Good way to good way to become a good chef is oh. is to is to be able to run making a couple thousand loaves a day perfectly every day for a number of years. You know, getting that kind of perfection down um, and going from a microbiology lab to working in a bakery is not that. Different, not that terribly different, actually. Okay. Uh, what? Yeah. What did? So, what did you take from that to, into into baking microbiology? Like, what was scaling uh, things out and sc- <laughs> the mathematical? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, sc- yeah, yeah, Scaling things out, um, you know, using using the metric system rather than imperial system to scale recipes up and down, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, knowing doubling time for yeast and bacteria so you know when to feed it. Yeah. That sort of thing. Now, I mean, you came in here, you saw the kitchen, you saw what they were doing here, but also was like the fact that this is like Donald Link's place. Like, was that like? I mean, did you did you knew that name at that point, or mm, no, no? No, I uh, I'm I'm more obsessed with the craft itself. Gotcha. I tend to not uh, do a good job of knowing celebrity chefs and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Gotcha. Um, that being said, Donald is uh, fantastic to work with. I've only cooked with him side by side a handful of times, mm-hmm. but it's always been really impressive, knowing that when he says this needs exactly one minute in the oven, that thing needed exactly one minute in the oven. It's a lot of <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a lot of very you know that's what happens when you are at the top of your game for over thirty years. But I have to imagine again, like you're saying, like knowledge of baking and that kind of stuff. That is something that, because you know, like you, you cook like a lot of dishes. Correct me if I'm wrong. You cook to taste, right? Like, I mean, when it comes to certainly, like, so there's there's um, cooking cooking by method, as it were, and cooking by formula. So mm-hmm. baking is very formulaic. Yes, cooking. Uh, there is a little bit of uh, there is a little bit of method in that because of our extreme weather down here. When you're baking in August you can watch the dough move on the table because of how quickly <laughs> um, the, the bread is proofing. Okay. And so being aware of the heat and humidity and how that affects it, um, I'm certain industrial bakeries have ways of accounting for this, but that involves a little bit of touch and feel. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of recipes you cook purely by method, as in you know, it's done when it's done. How do you cook a chicken? You put it in the oven, and eventually it's done. You know, you got to poke <laughs> it a little bit. Yeah, see. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's not. There's certain things don't have quite as much structure. And charcuterie has um, a fair bit of structure to it, which I like. Um, I think I think it's a, a, a bit more of a formulaic uh, method of cooking than than cooking a la method, as <laughs> as you would say in French. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about all the accessories that come with your profession knives cutting boards like the necessity like the level of like what the, what they need to be for you to do your job well hmm. well i really like the blocks we work with okay um they're end grain uh which which means that they're a bunch of sticks upright that have all been pressed and glued together oh really wow and i didn't know that yeah so that's that's how you make butcher blocks in general the largest ones you can get from Booze are uh, 30 by 30 inch, and ours are like 50 by 70 or something like that, so they're custom tables. And because of the, the end grain and the hardness of that, you can take a cleaver that's sharp enough to shave your arm hair, swing it as hard as you want, and it won't dent or mar that table. Oh, wow. Yeah, those tables have been around, they've been in constant use for 10 years, and you can see one slight little bevel mm-hmm. where we tend to chop a lot but it takes to to truly you know put waves in a table like that takes decades of of constant work on it yeah 
And because of that, we have uh, you know, the size of them and the space of them and the strength of them means that we can just, four guys can go on that table and hack apart 12 animals and uh, works very well. <laughs> and what about the, as far as cutlery goes? I try not to spend too much money on butcher knives okay. because you are going to, especially boning knives. Boning knives, I'll just go with Victorinox or with any, any, any mass-produced high-quality steel is, is fine because you're going to be sharpening those things four to eight times a day. Oh, and wow. They're gonna okay, be, yeah. You're going to whittle them down to toothpicks yeah. in about a year. Okay. So, <laughs> as cool as it is to get a really nice, uh, nice handmade boning knife, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I feel like that's better suited for like your mantelpiece than day-to-day -day work. Yeah, eventually, no matter what, everything's going to fade away and become, like you said, toothpicks. So, it's almost a why spend that ridiculous amount of money kind of here too. Kind or, of. Or? Well, yeah, because because you will you will eventually wear them on down. One mm -hmm. thing I've found that. Uh, I like a lot is I'll, uh, on eBay or what have you. I've found a lot of farm as he pulls out a knife. Farmhouse, <laughs> yeah, a lot of farmhouse knives have got the kind of thick steel. Mm -hmm. um, I found this one. It was a, an auction from Camper, which is in northern France, and this is a poultry knife, which has almost no bend to it. Oh wow! Yeah. And is uh, high carbon and can. Split bodies, but also is nice and rounded, so it can go through joints. There's. I gotta take a picture. Of yeah. That. Please keep. Yeah, uh, uh, there's. Uh, <laughs> for for me to describe like what each knife does. Yeah. There's there's a whole array of things, but in general, my best knives have been antiques that I've restored. So finding 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 old pieces that are that have a lot of weight to them. Um, and don't cost too much, and you can strip the you can usually strip the rust off with just a little bit of acid. Mm -hmm. Is there something to be said? I mean, obviously this exists in the world of technology, and you have I mean, God knows. I mean, I'm I'm a I use Apple products, but they tend to go you know, bit, especially phones these days. But when it comes to cooking uh, utensils and cook, cookware. Do you find like pieces that are old like that that they like there has been a difference in change or is it just nice to find something that I I think that people use I th I think that uh, I mean in order to maximize profits use less material so yeah. older knives frequently have more actual physical steel in them okay so yeah. with the added steel comes the weight of being able to use it to crack bones or it has you know enough steel in it that you can sharpen it down a couple thousand more times than a modern blade gotcha so that's not necessarily always true there's plenty of there's there's plenty of handmade knives that are still made with the same amount of of, of metal that I would find appropriate but a lot uh, a lot of blades I feel are a little a little lighter than the ones you'll find made 50 to 100 years ago mm -hmm. yeah I mean even just like maybe in the handle sometimes or just or just even the blade well and also they don't make trees the same way they used to that tight grain of old growth wood is not something that you'll always see in a knife handle yeah. it's easier to use balsa wood or whatever fast growing you know soft pine is is what they use these days I like cooking for fun, no, no trained knowledge whatsoever when it comes to it. But, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I know, like, if you buy a good cast iron, you know, pan, that should last you your lifetime if you treat it well and you take care of it. I think pride is just an overall theme in the industry and especially, again, just like uh, cook, cooking in general and cooking down in New Orleans, but taking care of your thing. You know, I'm all about tool maintenance. Yeah, I'm big, big fan of keeping <laughs> knives sharp, keeping the table smooth. Um, it's just kind of like a little morning meditation before the day. Yeah. Make sure everything, your knives are sharp and you're ready to go. It's like your you time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About yeah, maybe set aside. It's usually less than 15 minutes, okay. but it's it's enough time to get my head right for the day. Nice. I, I got to ask you because it's something that's happening up north in New York. I think by 2021 it's going to be illegal. What do you, I mean, get like into political or activist, but any opinion on foie gras? Uh, I, 
as far as I understand it, and this comes from secondhand knowledge, I haven't talked directly with farmers, but what I, what I understand is that there are certainly humane ways to harvest foie gras. Okay. It's a natural instinct that migrating birds during the winter want to gorge themselves. So if you allow them the possibility to do so, then they will happily uh, produce an enormous liver for you. The, the whole lubing their throat up and stuffing corn down every day, I, I don't believe is, is the best way to go about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I, so since, since I'm not as knowledgeable about this as I, was, I would like, I tend to only buy foie gras in the winter months because I know that- That's when the birds- That's, that's yeah. when the birds at least want to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when it comes to, if you, 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 you meet someone, you tell them what you do, and let's say they're a vegetarian, even like a vegan, and on the level of like, it's cruel to, you know, for animals, or even not that, just don't, or, or, or just the fact of uh, they don't enjoy eating meat. If you meet someone like that, do you take it upon yourself to like educate them? Well, any, anyone with an extreme opinion is not gonna be swayed by anything. Sure. But as far as I'm concerned, Certainly, there are distasteful aspects to harvesting living animals for food. The thing is, we're already here. People are doing this, mm -hmm. and a significant portion of the biomass of the planet is our livestock. So, we're already here, and I have an engineering mindset to solve problems that already exist. Gotcha. If we could change everyone's mind to not eat meat for whatever whatever reason. I believe also you can you can farm sustainably. Pigs are garbage disposals. And uh, <laughs> cows cows may be a bit of an environmental issue. I mostly work with with pork, so it's not something I think about too much. Mm -hmm. um, I'm mostly going to hog farms and checking those out. And I'd like to raise hogs on my own. My grandfather uh, still raises hogs. Oh, wow. um, he's in his 90s, um, but he, uh, he used to do uh, some mid-range hog, uh, hog farming up in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I enjoy the entire process of it. I like the animals. You know, the way I think about it is, you know, they have about 800 fantastic days and one not so great day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. In the world we're living in, we're seeing a lot of people stepping up as far as making sure that no food goes wasted. There's a there's a nonprofit in um, I mean, I'm sure it's all over, but I know of it specifically in New York City called City Harvest. Do you guys do anything here, or even you yourself, any like opinions and or just like things that you try to do to make sure? nothing, as, as little goes as wasted as possible. Since I oversee all the butchers here, yeah. and the people who want to learn to be butchers, and we get a lot of stages and trainees, and people coming in on hog breakdown day from restaurants around the country just to see what, what we do, it's easy to use every piece of it. Yeah. If you're not utilizing part of an animal, then you're either lazy or your system needs to some serious overhaul, because every part of the pig is made out of pork. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, can, uh, you, have, you have skin for cracklings, you got bones for stock, you got fat for lard, and you got uh, to, know to, to know the process of grinding and rendering down lard and using it intelligently for, uh, for, for frying or for you know, c uh, cooking in a pan or what have you. All of those, all of those steps Everything can be used, from, from the tendons to the snout. Every aspect of it has a place. It's a big part of charcuterie is knowing which parts to use. And, you know, I sometimes feel like I'm just parting out cars or working mm -hmm. in an auto shop when, when I'm breaking down the pigs because we'll, have, we'll, take, a, we'll take a cross, you know, we'll, 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 cut, uh, we'll cut into them to see what the loin looks like and we'll make decisions about whether or not this is gonna be pork chops or if this is gonna be a rolled roast or any number of things. And we take on a very specific breed, but there's still variability in that. So utilizing all the animal, I guess it's not as simple as I make it out to be. It does require a, a keen eye and a couple of years of really learning what you're looking at when yeah, you want to salvage yeah, yeah, when yeah, yeah, you yeah. cut open an animal but everything is usable never never think that anything can go to waste 
How many butchers work here? I have three employees as butcher and butcher assistants in the butcher shop. Okay. Uh, there's the butcher for Koshan, Patrick Schof. He's got an assistant. And then we have um, maybe about five line cooks that rotate in and out with, uh, with helping out around the shop. Gotcha. We could probably use about 10 full-time butchers, but <laughs> we'll figure that out down the road. I mean, you guys are just doing so much down there. Um, when it comes to specialties of this area of Cajun cuisine, I mean, you've got your andouille, you've got your boudin. Uh, boudin. Ha- boudin. <laughs> People, I, I, you know, I love being wrong because that means I'm learning something. Boudin. Mm-hmm. Long A. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so boudin, uh, hoghead cheese. What does it mean for that, you know, Cajun representation? And as you were just educating me on boudin, pronunciation. Like, what is it about those dishes that are special and obviously keeping up that tradition of, of the city? One thing that I've found... It's not uh, not necessarily true for New Orleans. New Orleans is a mostly modern city, who, which is being dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century. <laughs> but uh, the rest of southern Louisiana has maintained a lot of traditions that that just they just never went anywhere. So to slaughter a hog in the middle of winter and have the entire family break it down for sausages is a normal event. Uh, Whereas my mother was born in the 50s in Iowa and she barely remembers Boucherie is still existing during that era. Okay. So that's, it's just a little bit of lost tradition in the rest of the country. Yeah. Whereas down, yeah, down here it's, it's, it's been alive and it stayed alive. Yeah. I think it was, um, yeah, no, it was, uh, Somebody Feed Phil. They did, you know, an, an episode here with uh, Phil Rosenthal and the a- actor uh, Wendell Pierce came here and uh, they were just talking. I mean, like, Wendell Pierce was talking about how that was a tradition and one of his, like, earliest memories is seeing, you know, the hog bleeding out and everything like that and then using, making blood sausages and all that. And uh, it just seems like, I mean, something, you know, special that obviously makes it delicious and is fresh and just, you know, unique to the cultural food representation down here. We're, uh, we're in the midst of Carnival and Mardi Gras. Any, do you have uh, any particular traditions that you like to partake in? The city comes alive during Carnival season. The, the biggest tradition, I guess I could say, that I participate in is arbitrary costuming. Um, anyone who's <laughs> lived in New Orleans long enough has either a trunk or a closet or sometimes an entire room full of costumes. Year after year. Just of, yeah, of years and years worth of, of absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people, what Carnival is down here is... People taking being silly very, very seriously. <laughs> I like that. I mean, uh, it's appropriate who I'm talking with. My friends always call me the ham, not even a ham. They're like, you're the ham. Like, you know, you just, I, I, I take it above and beyond when there's a themed party or anything like that. I just like hamming it up. So that's, I, I could imagine if I lived down here, I would have probably a room dedicated to that. Uh, any particular food traditions that you like to do? Or are you prepping anything? Or are you just going somewhere? Well, you... there's a thing down here um, called king cakes, where oh, yeah. you you, know, you have basically a giant baked donut, cinnamon roll, what have you, yeah. with colorful sugar on the outside, and you hide a little baby on the inside, and whoever finds that in their slice of king cake is required to buy the next one. Oh, okay, and so that's, this that's is, what, yeah. This is what, so it, and carnival season lasts about two months down here, so the, uh, this, this purchasing of king cakes builds on itself indefinitely, and I'm very glad to say that I do not work in bakeries anymore because making 10,000 king cakes every season is uh, something I... So that's a, food, that's a food tradition that I no longer take part in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think I saw on you guys' uh, Instagram last week, it was Elvis, Presley, uh, Elvis Presley's birthday. And you guys had like I think a king cake even like in honor of him here with the oh yeah oh, peanut yeah. butter and bananas and bacon or something you know like because his famous sandwiches I have a whole I have a little pot holder that has like his sandwich that he would make and even a, a cookbook called Are You Hungry Tonight and 
<laughs> the bacon and peanut butter. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. We 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 like to we like to ham it up. Um. Very good. My kind of people. What well, uh, as far as the menu and like. How, how often are you guys like adding something new to it? You, you have certain, uh, you know, like standards that you're like, or certain dishes that are, you know, you keep on there? It varies from restaurant to restaurant, but in general, the, the Link restaurants like to rotate things seasonally. So, you know, uh, fall, spring, winter, summer, have something a little different for each one of them. And we recently, we recently redid our menu for the butcher shop for fall, and it's been going relatively well. But we are very strongly a you know, deli shop, sandwich shop. So we can bring in mustard greens when they're in season for our BLT sandwich rather than arugula or what have you. Mm -hmm. But there's not a, we're not doing a dramatic variance season to season. You mentioned it before, and you got the T-shirt on, and it's a badass T-shirt, Pig Slayer. Let's talk about that. You kind of, before we started recording, you started telling me about the, uh, the that barbecue team and uh, Hogs for the Cause. Hogs for the Cause yeah. is, I believe, the largest barbecue competition in the Gulf South, and it goes to, uh, all profits go to research for child child brain cancer, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, so yeah. it's a pretty easy thing to get behind. Oh, um, I'd, I'd say <laughs> and so. And it, it grew pretty dramatically. I believe it's been around for about 15 years or so. When does it take place? It takes place in May. Okay. And uh, it's a three-day event. Uh, there's a little bit of cooking involved and a lot of partying involved. Uh, legend has it that the reason that there's a prize for the Friday night party is because the Link Group is so over the top. <laughs> we uh, bring in a karaoke stage and oh, we man. build a miniature golf course is and have a bar. Is this open to the public? Yeah, it's oh, or uh, is it uh, mostly you, industry it, people. The I've always worked it, so I'm not sure what ticket prices are like. But yes, it's open to the public. Okay, um, and. We have a stand where we sell food and drink and all that good stuff, um, but it's mostly a, a, a party for the industry people backstage, and then especially late at night, once all the uh, once all the public has gone, then we get to really while out because it's a barbecue event. You're probably firing the pit at three in the morning or something like that, and you're yeah. going to cook until dawn. So we're also going to hang out and drink and drive golf carts around and crash into one another's displays because that's just blast. <laughs> so as uh, being uh, you know part of the Pig Slayer team, like what have what have you guys done in particular for for you know hogs for the cause as far as what dishes you're cooking and what's your you know? So the competition is um, ribs, whole hog pork shoulder, so usually like a pulled pork dish kind of thing. Okay. And uh, the last one is pork puri, which is going to be sort of an appetizer or whatever, like little pork bit could be. Cracklins is a classic example. You yeah. do like a small plate for that. Yeah, like the, like in the, what, in Spanish, chicharron, like that? Yeah, I do like a chicharron, yeah. or um, they call them gratins down here, where you have the uh, skin and then fat and then a little bit of meat. Okay. And so it's kind of like a pork layer pork, okay. layer cake, and you toss it in Cajun <laughs> seasoning. It's fantastic. Oh, I'm a big fan of good. those. If I'm, I mean, I'm definitely going to eat here after we're done. What's like, you know, because I'm going to have something to eat here, and i got to get to the airport. What If I'm going to have one dish, what am I having? Ooh. Um, well, if you can have one dish down here. So our famous sandwich, uh, our famous sandwiches are going to be the the mufalata sandwich is a New Orleans staple. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's an Italian American uh, hard salami with an olive uh, olive top and odd. Yeah. And what makes ours special is that we make all of our salami in house, mm -hmm. which is uh, uh, you know we sell a couple thousand of these a week, so it's a lot of salami. Wow. Uh, so that's that's a big one. Um, 
And it, travel, it travels well, too. You, okay, you get, so it, get, get, yeah. get one cold and then just uh, eat it on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys also do a take on uh, Cubano here, too, right? We certainly, yeah, yeah. We yeah. definitely have a, a yeah. press sandwich there. And yeah. it's, it's really difficult to decide because it's, everything we make is pretty phenomenal. And a lot of things are really different. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you were sticking around for a little while longer, I would say, you know, go sit down at Koshan and try, you know, a lot of different things they have over there. Their yeah. hand pies are fantastic. Hand pies? Hand pies. Use, because, um, you know, we get in whole hogs, which means we get a fair amount of organs in. So you got to use those kidneys for something. So yeah. we have these little hand meat pies. Um, and right now it's a shrimp and pork one that's got kind of a Southeast Asian flavor to it. Ooh. Oh, yeah. that's uh, They put that on the menu in, like, October. So I'm a big fan of that one. That sounds really, really good and makes me sad that I have to leave today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and before we start recording, because I, I, I love, I mean, and of course, this isn't going to be a seamless transition since I'm bringing it up, but you mentioned something about, something's called Pork Fiction. Oh, Pork Fiction. So before I worked on the uh, Pig Slayer team for the Link Company, I was with my good buddy Steven Herzog and his family, who have basically their yearly family reunion is at Hogs for the Cause, and their team name is Pork Fiction. And everything <laughs> is Pulp Fiction puns. Yeah. So, like, their pulled pork sandwich is the Pig Kahuna Burger, and so on. Yeah. I mean, it goes without saying, but, uh, you know, if, if you haven't been here before, as soon as you come in, the butcher is filled with pop culture. You know, like, I, I love you guys. It seems like someone's really into Star Wars here because there's a lot of Star Wars. That stuff. would be our owner, Mr. Steven Straczewski. He's okay. a humongous... I mean, not to say that I don't love Star Wars as well, but mm -hmm. he's he's he collects a lot of original props from the films. Oh, wow. And yeah. Uh, I, I have another shirt uh, that says, May the Pork Be With You, where we have Darth <laughs> Vader with some pig tusks on him. It's a pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to... I've taken pictures before while visiting here, but I'll have to take some pictures downstairs before I leave and post them on, uh, on my Instagram. But uh, as I said, because uh, I love a good transition, let's talk a couple of food scenes, pork fiction. So let's talk pulp fiction. Let's talk that big kahuna burger, right? So let's, we'll, we'll play that scene for you guys and then we'll talk about it. Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Sorry about that. Did you have it? Hamburgers. Hamburgers! The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. What kind of hamburger? Cheeseburgers. No, 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 no. Where'd you get them? McDonald's, Wendy's, Jack in the Box. Where? Uh, Big Kahuna Burger. Big Kahuna Burger. That's that Hawaiian burger joint. I hear they got some tasty burgers. I ain't never had one myself. How are they? They're good. You mind if I try one of yours? This is yours here, right? a tasty burger. Vincent, you ever had a big kahuna burger? Want a bite? They're real tasty. Ain't hungry. Well, if you like burgers, give them a try sometime. Me? I can't usually get them because my girlfriend's a vegetarian, which pretty much makes me a vegetarian. But I do love the taste of a good burger. Mm. You know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in France? No. Tell them, Vincent. Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. You know why they call it that? Uh, because of the metric system? Check out the big brain on bread. You're a smart motherfucker, that's right. The metric system. That's just Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, the, man, the man's been in so many great films, but his... He just dominates that scene. It is all about him. And I mean, they even, I, I didn't play that full clip because it gets into the, you know, the path of the righteousness and all that. But like, I just love his cool persona. Just like, oh, what's that? What's that burger? Oh, Big Kahuna. And they even reflects the knowledge that he learned earlier from John Travolta of the, you know, Royale with cheese. Cold-blooded. Also, you know, <laughs> steal, somebody, steal somebody's snack right before you shoot them. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, yeah. Cold-blooded, cold cold-hearted. I mean, 
that's just that's just a fantastic movie. I mean, do you remember like seeing that for the first time or? Oh yeah, I, uh, I probably was about fourteen, which mm-hmm. is a great time to be watching Quentin Tarantino movies. <laughs> yeah, did you see did you see his latest one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, I haven't seen it yet. It's so good. Brad Pitt is nominated for uh, best supporting actor, and I hope he wins it because he's just so he's as like I mean Samuel Jackson is one kind of cool. Brad Pitt in this movie is like another. They're just like Quentin Tarantino knows how to cast his roles but uh but you were saying you were 14 when you saw it and and i was blown away and my dad had seen it uh probably when it came out which was what, like 1994 Four. Yep. Yeah, yep. Something like that. yeah and i remember him telling me that he absolutely hated it and i just couldn't understand if we you know had we seen the same movie or yeah maybe he just <laughs> wasn't into like the non-linear storytelling or something like that yeah you know? it was probably the graphic violence oh graphic violence <laughs> okay it wasn't it wasn't a, wasn't a big fan nah. Um, and then you brought to light, I feel like I've maybe seen, especially because you said you watched it on Netflix, so maybe I've seen like the poster. I mean, it's a pretty simple title, at least for the, um, for it, it, the title in French, but Le Chef? Yeah, in French it's called Comme un Chef, okay. which means like a chef. Oh, okay. And it's about uh, a lifelong fanboy of um, classic French cuisine mm-hmm. that finally gets his foot in the door and turns out to be a prodigy basically and okay. <laughs> it's and, and it's delightfully over the top yeah in you know the 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 head chef of the restaurant you know to briefly describe a scene for it the head chef uh uh of of this restaurant that's looking for someone to take on his role as uh a classic French chef of a three Michelin star restaurant mm-hmm. is briefly making a quick breakfast for his daughter, which involves about a ton of finely made pastries and brioche that he makes in about 15 minutes. So it's a you know uh, an overflowing cornucopia of things that clearly take about a thousand hours to make that he bangs out while you know just uh, before I go to work, I should make a little breakfast for my girl. <laughs> This, was this something, a film you discovered on your own and someone recommended to you? Totally discovered it on my own, yeah. watched it utterly arbitrarily, and loved every minute of it because yeah. it has the same kind of uh, like high obsessiveness that I really enjoy with cooking where it's like we examine the produce when it comes in and these ones are slightly bruised so they're going to be for stock and these look really nice so mm-hmm. we're going to blanch and shock them and put them on the plate because that's going to be vivid right there. And making those kind of decisions is something I really like doing. I mean, when it comes to, you know, I've spoken to so many people now working, you know, in the food and drink, you know, service industry. Do you enjoy it outside of work as well? Or is it just kind of like, do you? you, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I go out to eat occasionally, Mm -hmm. but it's really not. I, I go out to eat to check out new restaurants. But in general, I much prefer to cook at home. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I and I, I have the facility for it as well. I got yeah. a big kitchen. I got a, my smoker outside is a fifty-five gallon oil drum I cut in half. Um, and I, I just, uh, I, I really like hosting parties and cooking. That's it. I'm, I'm the same way. I love, I mean, I, I love cooking, uh, and I love, I love hosting because. Uh, as I've said numerous times, I mean, I, I love recommending a place, you know, or bringing someone to a place that they've never been before. But then also, at the same time, I love going to a place so then I can try to possibly replicate a dish back at home. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's what I think. It also might be because I'm a fairly large guy who uh, has an incredibly physical job. I never, I very rarely make it to a restaurant and feel like I've actually adequately had enough food. Oh, really? Yeah, when, I, yeah, when I'm cooking at home, my meals are going to be between three and 5,000 calories. <laughs> wow, that's, that's impressive. That's uh... Yeah, on my days off, I just start cooking arbitrarily. and drives my wife crazy because she's like, what are you making? I'm like, I don't know until I find out. You know, I'm just going to start like cooking onions in a pan and we'll figure out where we go from there. Is Like a Chef, is that a movie, is that subtitles or is it? Yeah, I believe yeah, it's yeah. in French. Uh, there was a point where I was relatively fluent in French, so I can't actually remember whether or not it's in English or French, but I'm going to assume that since the title's in French, it's going to be in French. So you're saying earlier, you know, you're obviously, you're learning so much, you're doing a lot here, but you're also, I mean, maybe you'll open up your own place. Any just future goals, possible plans at all? Well, first I got to get enough staff that I can get enough time off that I can start doing my own kind of Mm pop-ups. So 
that's always a constant battle, but at the very least, I have a really interesting job to offer people. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot to be learned here at the butcher shop, and you know, it'll probably happen in the summertime. But I like to, what ideally I'd like to do uh, at the moment because it's carnival season is sell food at the side of a at the, on the on the side of the road at a parade. Oh yeah. Because you can number one, you can actually make real money doing that. Uh, uh, Just like a simple menu, yeah, like yeah. My my wife uh, sold fascinators and did like makeup for a little while while she was between jobs on uh, the uh, while while parades were passing, and it was totally a sustainable thing. She mm-hmm. could have kept on. Like, she could have kept doing that. There was, I mean, for the Easter parade, I think you know she made four hundred dollars in an hour. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So there's, I mean, there's a, there's like 50 million people who come to Louisiana every year. So that's a lot of that's a lot of folks to to sling stuff at. Yeah. And so now, living, how long have you lived down here again? About 10 years. So what does it mean to you to be a New Orleanian and just like obviously there's so much pride. The city's been through so much between natural disasters, BP oil spill. I mean, you know, a lot going on. But again, well, one thing that I find to be very true of people who are permanent residents of New Orleans, like not people who are going to be here for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but rather people here who are, are, you know, are here because they really can't just, they've established a lifestyle that they can't reproduce anywhere else, yeah. myself included, is that we're always thinking about well, what's next. Like, that was amazing. Okay, so what's the next thing we're doing? And it, it you know, it, it, it's, it's a constant looking forward to like we just had football season and mm-hmm. we got into the playoffs and then we lost and it was sad and everyone was sad for about a day until it was 12th night and oh shit it's carnival season yeah, so it's we got yeah. we got bust out our stuff and uh, and and start parading after work now and then you had the national championship and yeah. LSU won and there's always every week there's another thing like yeah. that and yeah. and people who are from here are just constantly getting ready for the next big thing yeah the actual event sometimes sometimes <laughs> is an afterthought yeah. because you're already thinking of what are we gonna do next yeah and then you got crawfish festival you got jazz festival. oh crawfish are here they're starting to, they're starting to do that a little bit a little yeah. bit earlier every year Okay. Yeah, crawfish is um, basically a cover crop for flooded rice fields, so it's making money while you're making money, basically. You guys ever incorporate that into dishes here? Oh, yeah. Um, Chef Link's family uh, down in St. Charles Parish has rice fields that they flood, and they grow crawfish for, and we uh, we buy up their crawfish to cook in the restaurant. Awesome. Yeah. And any, any favorite dish that you guys do? Um, I mean, I just I just like to boil them. Yeah, you know, I like I like them boiled and heavily seasoned. Uh, there's there's a lot of, there's there's a million different ways to serve them, but that's always going to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Well, last but not least, got the speed round called Gut Instinct, so it's just whatever comes to mind first. Favorite fast food? Popeyes. Go to alcoholic beverage. Uh, gotta be High Life. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 hot down here all uh-huh. the time. You know, I grew up on craft beers in Portland, Oregon. I can appreciate them. I love them. They're delicious. It's just not cold enough down here for it. You need cold, bubbly beer to get you through the day, especially if you're going to be drinking from dawn till dusk. Amen to that. <laughs> that was that's why I went. Uh, it was Mike, the manager, right? Uh, yeah. Upstairs. Yeah. When he asked, me, you know, he's like, "Do you want anything to drink?" I'm like, "I could go for a beer." And he's like, "What kind?" And I'm like. Uh, he's like light, or I'm like light because you know for me this is hot today. So <laughs> nice light, uh, crisp beer is always good on a hot day. Favorite childhood snack? Oreos, but I don't like them anymore. Really? I liked, I loved them as a kid. I yeah? would eat. I think I, I think I just ate too many of them. Ate too many. It's not <laughs> like you know some things like they you know change. So I mean I wonder. Yeah, I'm sure my taste changed or what have you, but I okay. kind of have a distinct memory of being like 13 years old and like. I don't like Oreos anymore. Huh. Just like put them back on the shelf and just like I've had maybe half a dozen since then. Okay. But yeah, and I mean, hey, 13 years old, that's, you know, innocence starts to become lost at that age. So uh, childhood snack Oreos makes sense. Sweet or savory? Savory for sure. Favorite food city? Sands, you know, excluded New Orleans because we're just talking New Orleans and we, and we know how great the food is. So favorite food city, domestic and international? Um, 
New York for, I'm going to say Chinese food as domestic because I okay. think of yeah, Chinese yeah. American food as, sure. you know, that that's a certain thing that is part of my childhood and I uh, I associate it with being an American is, mm -hmm. is New York Chinese food, <laughs> um, which amusingly enough, uh, my friends Billy Jones and Richard Horner are putting that concept to life right down the road at uh -huh. uh, Blue Giant where they are making an American Chinese food restaurant where they're putting in a fair bit of research about how to make these dishes properly but what they're going for is the flavor profile of what they grew up on. Yeah. That <laughs> that makes me think of, you ever seen Talladega Nights? Yeah. And you know when uh, he meets Sasha Baron Cohen's character for the first time in the bar? Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, you Americans, and you know, like whatever, whatever. And he's just like, what are you giving us? He's like, Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> Italian food. And he's just like, and he just wants him to say like, I will let you go if you just admit, you know, you like crepes. And he's like, no, I won't. And he's like, you know, he's like, wait, but wait, what are crepes? He's like, you know, those light, thin pancakes. And he's like, what if I just say light, thin pancake? Can you just say that? He's like, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, yeah, Chinese food, American. Uh, <laughs> it's like the missionary position. You're welcome. <laughs> um, favorite cuisine? Favorite cuisine? I'm, I'm going to go with Cajun. Yeah. I, I, I cook it at home and I cook it at work and I'm not tired of it and I've been doing it for 10 years. I, I, I don't feel like I will get tired of it. That says something. I, I love it too. It's, it would, if, you know, between that and just like, I mean, there's so many different areas of barbecue in America, but just if I, like, I, if I could just give the broad of American barbecue. That it's not a be, bad second choice. Not a bad second choice. Guilty pleasure. Hmm. I don't know if I really feel guilty about anything. Not to be too holier than thou. Maybe something like, of overindulgence at least then? Oh, I drink way too much. That's okay. for damn sure. <laughs> there you go. All right. Just a lot of high lives? Or are we... No, I mean, I, uh, uh, yeah, high life is sort of like the regular water of the day. But, uh -huh. you know, uh, end of the day comes around and there's usually something to do and there's... Yeah, yeah, I, I should probably have less than six drinks a day, but that's probably what I average. What were we drinking, like hard liquor-wise? Were, we, were we a bourbon guy? or? Were we, uh, yeah, I like yeah. whiskeys. Whiskeys yeah. for sure. Uh, tequila's in the middle of summer just because it's so freaking hot. Yeah, just lighter and mm, you have to maybe have it in a good cocktail or something like that. Yeah, yeah. but definitely go-to whiskeys would be Buffalo Trace, Jameson. Um, you know, if I'm getting a little bit fancier, I do like um, I do like Scotches, Glenlivets, or not uh, like like those guys. I love my bold bourbon on the rocks or on the rock, as I say, because I like one singular big cube. cube. Singular <laughs> big cube. I saw the other day I posted there was a uh, Star Wars mold for like a Death Star cube. Mm. So I was just oh like, yeah, I we got it. one of those. Oh yeah, yeah we do. Oh, <laughs> that's all. I think I have the or no, I gave it to somebody. I got. Uh, but it was like smaller cube tray, but it was the Han Solo frozen in carbonite. I'm just like, that's just, nice. if you're a Star Wars fan, there's just always so much crap for you to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite condiment? Hot sauce. You guys, yeah, hot sauce, that's an, that's an answer I'm getting a, a lot in general and a lot down here because you guys do it proper down here. What's the last thing you ate? Last, last night, breakfast for dinner, bacon and eggs. Nice, <laughs> simple. Love some uh, some good Brenner, as you uh, as uh, some people call it. What would be your last meal? And, and these are these are tough off the dome questions. Yeah, these, these are pretty gnarly off the dome questions. <laughs> last meal, God. You know, I really like boudin. I think I do boudin for the last meal. I got a boudin. Sure, Br. Right. I'm writing this on top. Yeah. Boudin. Yeah. I'm just writing boudin that song. man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you answered this already, so, you know, dine in or dine out? Dine in. Dine in. What would be your spirit food? I'm, I'm assuming it, may, it would have to be some kind of... Oh, I'm big on the pig. Yeah. Big on the pig, yeah. I, I like butchering as, uh, as an exercise with a lot of different animals, but mm -hmm. I like the pig because I can do a million different things with it. A cow, you can make burgers, you can make steaks, you can make brasseur, you can make uh, a few dry cured things, but with one pig and all day to do it, I can probably make about 25 different dishes without breaking a sweat. Which makes sense for you because as for spirit food because 
from what I'm learning, from what you foodies out there are learning, you are a man that does a lot and has a lot of interest. So that makes perfect sense. You go to the movies, what kind of snack are you having? Popcorn. Popcorn? Plenty of butter. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, a great, if not the greatest lesson you've learned when it comes to food. Uh, this was an early lesson. This was an early lesson back in uh, back when I worked for the boulangerie, but there was uh, an old Frenchman who was watching me struggle as I made the transition from delivery driver to dishwasher to prep cook. Mm -hmm. And after our first, my first ever 15-hour day, um, he went and got beers for everybody, classic French gentleman, mm -hmm. and he had very limited English. Uh, but he said, avec courage, sommes jamais fini." which means, have courage, my friend, we are never finished. That is perfect and beautiful and something I want to share with people besides, obviously, them hearing you here on Foodie Films. I can't thank you enough for coming on, sharing all of this. Uh, please, right now, tell the foodies out there where they can find you on social media or obviously uh, the restaurant, the butcher, all that good stuff. Um, call 588-PORK. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I'm actually a bit of a conscientious objector when it comes to social media. I don't think it's fantastic for human mental health. Mm -hmm. um, you can cut that out if you like. That's fine. It's but um, yeah. Koshan Butcher Nola has uh, their own Instagram account, Facebook account, and our doors are always open. Come on down. Again, Max, thank you so much. I have a little catchphrase to end every episode. It might, uh, I mean... Especially in French, it sounds beautiful. It might not be, have courage, my friend, we are never finished, but it's something my grandmother always used to say, and it's, there's more to cut. So if you don't mind reminding foodies out there by saying there's more to cut. There's more to cut. Thank you again. It's a pleasure. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy, and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing, good enough to eat. Yeah.